What's up, people of the world? It's Mark. I just wanted to let everybody know to get that excitement brewing. It is almost Max Fun Drive time. That's right. April 25th to May 6th of this year, 2022, is our next Max Fun Drive. We've already recorded a lot of fun stuff that we're going to drop throughout the drive. There's some great gifts. There's a lot going on. We've got some fun events planned. More info on that later, but just wanted to let everybody know. Here's your teaser. April 25th to May 6th. And guess what? My birthday's in there. Until then, I just wanted to let you know that that's coming up. But for right now... Please enjoy this episode of We Got This with Mark. What's that? Fine. And Hal. Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best must-see TV show. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcast should have a theme song. Podcast should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. I want to start by thanking Brent Ashcraft for suggesting this. Yes, thank you, Brent. This is a delightful topic. I don't know how long ago it was, but for perspective, we've already done best TGIF program. And TGIF mm-hmm. is, for all intents and purposes, a mess because it covers so many years. <laughs> and, you know, over time, lineups change. So you have, like, Full House was an early anchor and then disappeared. Mm-hmm. But this is, I think we have the most shows that are in the programming block for the most time. Yeah. In must see TV. Now, this is a tight block right here. This is, this is a tight block. I like this because a lot of times we will do topics that cover very wide ranging things, you know, and where we're kind of going all over the place. But this is nope. Thursday nights on one network, a three hour block from 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. from 1993 to 2006 it is a very specific chunk of time and some epic epic television shows in there yes. my friend and in there you have a couple of years where that programming block contains four or five of the top 10 most watched television shows that season along with the number one show mm-hmm. for that season it has yeah. that for in one two three four five six different years in that run Hal, do you know how important a block of television in the history of television this particular block is? We didn't even say hello to each other at the beginning of this episode. Well, we say hello off air sometimes. But sometimes <laughs> the greetings aren't for everybody else. Sometimes it's just for us. Sometimes it's just we just, just start off. I just like like all right, fine. There's the name of the topic. We're jumping into this. They replaced your carpets with hardwood floors. They did. What a Disney yeah. World. I mean, Look, we don't have to do the whole. We don't have to do the whole. See, now you don't want to do it. The first two minutes of every episode of uh, Live with Kelly and Ryan, or Ryan and Kelly, or however they put yeah. it, where they just kind of sit and go, "What'd you do this morning? Exactly. Had coffee." Well, well, the Yaris wouldn't start. Like, I don't care. I don't. I, you know, they'll learn enough about us just in how we talk about this stuff. But I, I do want to, you know, must see TV, which is. To hear Warren Littlefield say it, it was his brainchild, and he certainly helped engineer a lot of these shows and put together. Or, right, remind me who Warren Littlefield is. He was the president of NBC. There we go. And he helped put together some of the most powerful blocks of television programming of all time. Now, prior to 
must-see TV, they already had what they called the best night of television on television. That was several years anchored by The Cosby Show, which was a top show. We're not not to make any comments about the horrendous person who starred in it, but that was the top show on TV for a long time. That was followed by Family Ties and Cheers. Those three shows were part of a programming block together for a very long time. So NBC already had staked out Thursday night as their premium time for programming. What I think is impressive is how they were able to maintain that. So essentially from 1982 until 2006, for 24 years, they had some of the best programming on television in one night. They owned Thursday nights. You did not put a show that you wanted to succeed against this programming block because it was destined to fail. Yeah. The shows that are the most classic shows of the 90s or the most important shows of the 90s all seem to happen here. And that three-hour block through the bulk, again, this is 93 to 06, so this is the bulk of the 90s. We've got Friends at 8 p.m., mm-hmm. then something else at 8.30. Yes. Seinfeld, Frasier, or Will and Grace at 9. Yes. Then something else at 9.30, and then ER at 10. Yes. That is a powerhouse of TV. How do you want to break this down? I think it would be fun, if I may, Mm-hmm. to throw out some of our favorites of the half past the hour blocks because sure. they went through a bunch of those. And then we can yeah. talk about some of these real big tentpole shows that happened on the hour. Friends, Seinfeld, Frazier, Will and Grace and ER. But in the mix there, I think we got to talk about some of the uh, the smaller shows that were a lot of fun. Just Shoot Me, The Single Guy. Suddenly Susan, Veronica's Closet. There were mm-hmm. a bunch of them. Do you just go through a list? I liked The Single Guy because I was a Jonathan Silverman fan. And I thought, like, yeah. this will be a huge hit because everybody loves Jonathan Silver. Everybody, like me, feels that the film adaptation of Brighton Beach Memoirs is better than the film adaptation of Biloxi Blues <laughs> because of Jonathan Silverman. Even though Matthew Broderick played Eugene, played young Neil Simon mm-hmm. on Broadway, even though he was reprising a role he had already played. I thought, like, for sure, there's no way this won't be wildly successful. And, and it wasn't. It's I, That was sort of like that 830 slot. They never got anything to stick because there would either be something there that did well but moved. I mean, Friends was Mm -hmm. initially an 8.30 show. Yeah. That About You had that 8 o'clock slot. So, you know, at a certain point, Friends moves to 8 o'clock in their second season, the fall of 1995. And then you have Boston Common, which is not – I mean, there are a lot of shows there that just aren't good. Yeah, that that's true. I'm still stuck on uh, you liking Jonathan Silverman better than you like Matthew Broderick. And then as you were talking my. As Eugene, sure. But then my brain just started putting Jonathan Silverman in everything. In my brain now, he's in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He's yes, in he Glory. He's the befuddled producers. teacher in Election. Uh-huh. We really could do a whole Matthew Broderick episode. He's the voice of young Simba mm-hmm. or teenage Simba. Yeah. You know, that's all correct. <laughs> that's the way it should have been. Well, here's the thing. It's like, I know I'm pretty sure maybe I'm wrong that Matthew Broderick is not Jewish. And I know that Jonathan Silverman is. So yeah. it felt like, oh, he is Jewish. There's something about him that encapsulates that experience because he's lived it. And it's really yeah. hard. Not that Matthew Broderick isn't a great actor, but in that movie, it felt like he was, it just didn't fit for me. And I love yeah. Matthew Broderick. I was already a fan of his, but just, just to see, I was like, why didn't, could they not get Jonathan Silverman to come back? <laughs> now I realize as I've gotten older, they couldn't get Matthew Broderick for Bright Beach Memoirs. <laughs> uh, well, look, this was the 830 block was a star studded block, my friend. Yeah. You had a lot of stars coming onto sitcoms and swinging for the fences. 
I'm talking about Brooke Shields in Suddenly Susan. Yes. Talking about who was in Leap of Faith. Was that based? That was based on the TV show or that was based on the movie. Correct. I do not based on the movie. I don't even remember Leap of Faith. Uh, Nope. It's not what I'm thinking of. I thought Leap of Faith was wait a minute. That was a Jill Clayburgh show. It's Ken Marino. It's Sarah Paulson. Yeah. It's Edelstein. Like it's Tim Meadows, Regina King. It's like this killer, killer cast. I'm talking about killer stars cast, being but... a stars being on Tuesday night. Just shoot me another all star cast. I mean, you've got George just Siegel. Shoot me lasted for a long time. It just got moved around a lot. It moved to Tuesdays, yeah. moved to Sunday. Like it's hard to sort of get it going. But also when after Friends came out, mm-hmm. everybody was trying to make friends, including NBC, trying to make stuff about like, here's a group of friends, yeah. sort of, uh, here's Boston Common. Here's Anthony Clark as a guy who. I think he I, he like was going back to college or his college was involved somehow. Let me ask you a quick question, Hal. Yeah. And only because you brought it up and it feels like a little bit of an elephant in the room. Mm. I know what a huge fan of Friends you are. Yes. Friends influenced a lot of shows. Yes. By the transitive property, does that mean that Living Single influenced a lot of shows? Because let's talk about Living Single being the template for Friends. The Fox series. We're the Fox about. series. Queen Latifah, yeah. Kim Fields. Yeah, I know you're on Team Friends, but no, no, I, I, I don't, I, I get what you're saying. It's a mm-hmm. group of friends together that are going through life, navigating love, jobs, their their twenties. But to me, living single is specifically about a group of women dealing with that. Whereas Friends is, yeah, that's true. Friends is like here are three white guys and three white girls who somehow, even the ones who are poor, don't have to worry about money. They live in giant apartments. They're doing, yeah. like, they're not the same. No. And, and the 4-2 split versus the 3-3 three, three split of Friends. I get yeah. that. Yeah. To me, Coupling, the British show Coupling was more their attempt to make a Friends. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a really good show. It is not Friends, but it, it feels like their version of Friends. Then in the US, they did their own American version of Coupling, which didn't work. <laughs> but I think the shows that survived and did the best were different from one another. Friends is yeah. different from Seinfeld. Seinfeld is different from Frasier. Frasier is different than Will and Grace, which, and just shoot yeah. me hung around for a while. I don't think it was ever a runaway hit. The only spec script I've ever written is a just shoot me spec script. Oh, that's got to be a stretch goal, right? <laughs> a reading of that we do my, a reading of Hal's just shoot me script. You know, maybe so. Oh, I love this idea. And I won't rewrite it as much as I'll want to just tear it down and, <laughs> and completely do a page one rewrite. I won't do that. I would do that. I'll, I'll, I'll allow it to see the light of day, I guess. <laughs> I would love this so much. Who would you want to play? The silent guy who's in another room with noise canceling headphones on <laughs> while it's happening. Sure. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> I just want dibs on Jack. Sure. You got it. Yeah. It's yours. Just the bumbling boss. And here's the other thing. All you have Veronica's closet, the Kirstie Alley. This is we're, now we're looking. Now we're looking at the 9:30. This is more than 9:30. This is the 9:30. Oh, we're yeah. looking just that. You want to pick something out of the 8:30 slot? I figure why not? We can take we can take something out of the 8:30 slot and something out of the 9:30 slot if you want. I'm trying to look or we at can a just show. take something because they kind of like you said before they did kind of mix and match that time slot. Like, look in the course of this decade or a little more than a decade, 12, 13 years. You've got in the eight o'clock, nine o'clock, and ten o'clock slot. There's basically six total shows: right. Friends, Seinfeld, Frasier, Will and Grace, ER. Five shows for the bulk of this. In those eight thirty and nine thirty slots, there must be twenty different TV shows on these lists, including shows that got bounced around, like they were journeyman baseball players 
on one-year contracts going from team to team. Mm-hmm. And a couple that just showed up for a little while weren't that good and then vanished. Nothing really stuck in that slot. If I was picking my personal opinion for the best show to ever occupy that slot, mm-hmm. knowing that nobody was able to really hold on to it for that long, I wouldn't say Will and Grace because Will and Grace was predominantly a 9 o'clock it show. It moved. Yeah, it did. It did. It, it, it there. This is the minor leagues. So I would divide it between two. All right. I'm going to go with three. I have three for you. Okay. <laughs> okay. You, you want to try to guess the three shows yes. that I think are the best shows to have occupied that spot, even if they weren't there for a long time. Yeah. Are we talking about the 830 and the 930? We We're can talking combine about just them together. The 830. If you remember, just the 830. Just the 830. Because okay. 930 became, uh, you know, it, it, well, I guess it never really stabilized, but let's just go to eight. Just, we're just talking about 830 right now. All right. I'm going to go ahead and say the single guy. No, I did not. I did. I was not a huge fan of that show as much as I love Jonathan Silverman. Oh, Hal, you're disappointing me. I mean, Jonathan Silverman is not the only person on that show. I know, but he's you got to remember that was Ernest Borgnine doing television. <laughs> Ernest Borgnine doing network sitcom. Ernest Borgnine, the Marty himself. Had to show up in a studio and play the doorman for laughs. Come on. In the 830 slot, that is an Academy Award winner. Getting the check. Get that check. You get that check, Ernie. I'm going to say Just Shoot Me. I would not put Just Shoot Me as one of my three. Really? Wait, would I? Let me. I have to look and and get. Oh, no. I would. mm, I mean, Just Shoot Me also. It was probably at 930 more than it was at 830. Mm -hmm. And it. I think that show survives on the strength of its cast more than anything. It's got good joke writing and it's got a great cast. It's the point of view of everybody is really great. Yeah, it's there are no redeeming characters in there. You know what I mean? There's no one who's really even Laura San Giacomo's character, who is for all intents and purposes, the center of the show mm-hmm. is not just everybody's kind of morally bankrupt. Yeah. So I think that's what always felt like something was missing. That would make this an even better show. It's, it's sort of like the, the Mary Tyler Moore show with no soul. I have to give a shout out though to one of the great performers, one of my favorite actors to go from theater mm-hmm. to just being a perfect fit in a sitcom and being absolutely hilarious and just gobbling up every little bit of scenery that came into her path. And that's Wendy Malick. Yes. Wendy Malick playing Nina Van Horn mm-hmm. on Just Shoot Me is one of the great scenery-chewing theatrical TV characters with the clearest, most hilarious point of view. You talk about people being morally bankrupt. At least her character knew that she was at all times. So it was great when she wasn't. You know what I mean? Yes. So those moments when she would be kind or would you know save yeah. the day somehow were always so satisfying. That character probably had more dimension than a lot of other characters. And you have yeah. David Spade, who's one of the best joke delivery guys. Mm-hmm. It's just that character. Like, everybody's got a little something. She's great. Enrico Colantoni is fantastic. Yeah. Is uh, He's great. And Wendy Malick was also very good on Dream On. So yeah. This is not her foray into, into television true. or sitcoms. But this is the traditional multi-camera setup punchline, setup punchline, ABC plot sitcom. And, and yeah. she was great at it okay i'm gonna keep guessing which ones you think it is and in so doing simply introduce 830 shows that i think should sure now there are two that i in particular love and i'm wondering if these are on your list one of them was ending its run as must see tv began 
and the other was beginning its run as must see TV ended. Both of them I, I in the eight thirty slot. You have two of mine. Go ahead and say one of them. That is Wings. Yes. And the other is My Name is Earl. Correct. Yeah. The first season of My Name is Earl is incredible. The second mm-hmm. season, I think, was still good. It kind of lost its way at a certain point, but the premise of it it's was brilliant. so good. And the again, the cast was killer. Yeah. The entire cast around Jason Lee, who who did a fine job. It's such a bizarre it's such a bizarre premise, but it it works and it really sets yeah. up the idea of episodic television really, really well. So I put that up there. And then Wings, which is sort of a subtle spin-off of the Cheers universe. Because mm-hmm. they had some, it was, uh, again, some of the Cheers writers that had created it. And you had Cheers characters who came in that were, that flew into or coming through Nantucket. But again, that's a, that is a killer. You know, you have Thomas yeah. Hayden Church. Thomas well. Hayden Church, Tim Daly. Stephen now, Weber. I'm just trying to, I don't have this in front of me. I'm trying to remember. Stephen Weber. Tony Shaloub. Tony, Tony Shaloub Sh- is the mechanic, the Italian mechanic. Yes. Antonio oh, Scarpacci. Man. Yeah. Yeah, that cast is the Thursday night. Whoever like is it one casting director at NBC at this time that was just responsible for these epic Thursday night casts? Well, again, if you read Warren Littlefield's book mm-hmm. about must see TV, about his run there, which is a really good read and has has interviews with everybody. And yeah. I mean, everybody, because the entire cast of Friends owes him in some way their careers. Yeah. Kelsey Grammer, like everything about how these shows came together and how deals were made. Obviously, there were at least a few great casting directors involved, but also he was there kind of helping to assemble this stuff. But yeah, Wings is such a fun show. At this point, I think it had kind of, they kind of lost what made them great. It's hard to hold on to and write a show all the way out, but it's still like, thanks to USA. I, you can still watch it all the time. You could you could watch it all the time, and I'm sure it's available now on Peacock. Oh yeah, but a really really fun sitcom worth watching. But that said, you you mentioned that this was probably not Wings's right. most epic season, whereas the first season of My Name Is Earl was its most epic season, and Absolutely. that was as part of the lineup. It also was in the 2005 2006 season. It was on for an hour. They gave it right there at the end, the nine o'clock slot too. Mm-hmm. So it would yeah, lead it was, in at eight thirty, wasn't it? Oh no, it must have been. Yeah, because it, it came in in the September. Came in in the spring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the beginning of the season. Oh, I, I think see. It split time, so they brought four kings in. So it started as a nine o'clock show, and then in the spring it was an eight thirty and nine o'clock show. Yeah, you had the. Yeah. What happened was it started in that eight thirty slot, and then in January they introduced uh, four kings, right. which is the Seth Green show. And they moved My Name is Earl to 9.30 because I think that coincided with The Apprentice it's a nine, you mean. at the time. Well, uh, it moved to 9, yes, because it went from 8.30. Then The Apprentice was running in the fall. The Apprentice ended. They introduced Four Kings in the winter mm-hmm. uh, in January. And My Name is Earl moved to that 9 o'clock slot, gotcha. which is a big deal. It is a big deal. That had been the Will and Grace spot. The thing I love about and My Name is Earl and the thing that I hate about My Name is Earl as an actor and for me personally, a thing that I do not like about My Name is Earl, but as a viewer of television, a thing I love about it. When I first moved to Los Angeles, I moved here over New York City because what I wanted to do more than anything was three camera sitcoms. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do that style of TV 
where for those who don't know, there's a, a single cam and a multicam. A multicam is shows like Frasier and Friends that, you know, are filmed on a set with a live audience and it's a big wide studio. All the different sets are in one building. The other difference is they have three cameras or four. Yeah. That's actually four now. And I'll mm-hmm. give you a fun fact about that in a second. There are three cameras shooting it simultaneously. So they're right. getting, you know, they may use different takes, but they're getting all their angles at once as opposed to shooting it like a film single camera set up. Right. Set up, shoot, turn around, shoot. But uh the fourth camera, which is called the – it's ABC are the X. three cameras. And then there's the X. Mm-hmm. Do you know the show where that camera was introduced? I don't. It was Cheers, and it was to shoot down the bar. Oh, it cool. Across and down the bar. That is why the X camera exists. Because it crossed. I like yes. that. But I had always wanted to do this because of the theatricality of it. I went to theater school. I wanted to do theater. I was like, oh, these multicam sitcoms are doing theater – but on television. Yeah. And then My Name is Earl came out in 2005. <laughs> and My Name is Earl introduced the world to the single cam half hour sitcom. There was nothing like this on television at the time. I guess it didn't introduce, but it made because I guess Scrubs was already had, out there. It did have Scrubs. And then The Office also premiered the same year. The same year. So it wasn't just My Name is Earl. It was a few that came out at around this time. My Name is Earl being the one that was the most in my brain. Yeah, Malcolm in the Middle in 2002. But it was it was yeah. a, a very All right, so I'm wrong about it being camera. the first one, but it was a very popular early one. Yes, part of the transition. Yeah, part of the transition of the type of television that I wanted to do existing and then not existing. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Let's take a break. Okay. I think we've exhausted the 830 time slot, from which a winner will not emerge. But we've no. given a lot of shows their due, which is lovely. Let's give some more shows their due. Those being some of the other shows on the Maximum Fun Network. That sounds like a great idea. We'll be right back. Max Fun Drive is just around the corner. 2022. Starting April 25th, it's the best time of the year to support your favorite shows by becoming a Max Fun member or upgrading your membership. Just two weeks. We've got some great episodes and amazing thank you gifts in store. And who knows, maybe a few surprises. Don't forget bonus content. So make sure to tune in starting Monday, April 25th to get all the juicy details on what each show has in store. Actually, wait, what are the details anyway? And why are they juicy? That's kind of a strange adjective to describe Congratulations, you've won a ticket to attend an exclusive opportunity in a relaxing environment with two lovers. (laughs) Wow. Well, this sounds like a sort of proposition of sorts, but really it's an ad for our podcast. Wonderful. It's a show we do here on Maximum Fun where we talk about things that we like and things that we're into. I'm Rachel McElroy, and you just heard Griffin McElroy, and we are excited for you to join us as we talk about movies and music and books. Things like sneezing or the idea of rain. (laughs) (laughs) Can you get news or information you can use? Absolutely you cannot, because we're here to talk to you about pumpernickel bread. You can find new episodes on Wednesdays. So catch catch the wave. And we're back. It dawned on me as we were doing that, that what I just did for like the last three minutes of the episode was mansplain how television works and then be completely wrong. So this is what this is a thing that I generally do. And I'm just going to throw that out in the world that I recognize it. That's called Mark explaining. When you mansplain, but then you're wrong. Yeah. Uh, well, that's, I guess mansplaining is being wrong too. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's but generally wrong. But just look, if you say it loud, you sound correct. That's on the plaque above my computer. By the way, I just want to throw out there mm-hmm. that I think that maybe the best four half hour slot lineup that they ever had was post must CTV when they did comedy night done right from 2006 mm-hmm. to 2012. This is your two hour block. Okay. Pretty great. Community. Mm-hmm. Then parks and recreation. Mm-hmm. Then the office. Mm-hmm. Then 30 rock. Yeah. 2009, 2010. It's a great lineup. Yeah. Anyway, just wanted to throw that out there. I dig it. Pretty great lineup. Do you think everybody has guessed by now that we both have the same giant chart in front of us? I would hope so. (laughs) If you're listening to this episode at home, you can also open up this giant chart. Yeah, it's on Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. So the reason why the winner is Good Morning Miami is... (laughs) Oh, jeez. Let me guess why. Is it because Ashley Williams was in it? That's right. Yeah. You knew. I knew. Right. (laughs) No, I like Mark Feuerstein. Anything he's in. I mean, I I don't know who any of these people are. It had Jerry Burns in it. Sure. Of the thrilling adventure hour. Yes. Of the thrilling adventure hour. You know, and maybe Burn Notice of Dear John, but that's neither here nor there. Dear John was a really good show. It was. That was also a Thursday night NBC show, but that that predated must see TV. Yes. Was it Dr. John that did the song for that or was it Randy Newman? It was a Randy Newman. By the Dr. time you read this letter, I'll oh, be gone. Uh, Wendy Talbot wrote the song. I don't know who sang it. You'll never know because oh, I refuse fair. to tell you. And I definitely do know. You, All right. You, you summon a bench. Do you All want right. to talk about? I think that there are like four heavy hitters here. Four heavy hitters on Thursdays. This yes. is where we're, we're on Thursdays. Four heavy hitters on the, <laughs> the 930 slot. This is another one of those uh, sections where they would put a star on a show. Oh, because you had Veronica's Closet with mm-hmm. Kirstie Alley. Really fun. Suddenly, Susan again had gotten moved over to here. Caroline in the City was one that I loved. Yeah, it was cute because you had um, you Leah had the Thompson. guy on rollerblades. You had Leah Thompson from Back to the Future in it. You had the dude on the rollerblades. You had probably Jer Burns. Jerry, I don't know who else was in that. Uh, Malcolm Getz, though, was the one on that show uh-huh. that I loved. Yeah. Yeah. I was a big fan of that guy. Broadway dude. I like these New York ones that put Broadway people on them. I mean, look, there's a lot of work. Yeah. And she's a cartoonist in it. Yeah. It was really fun. The way that they did the transitional scenes was cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I, what do you, I feel like you have one in mind. Is it the one that appeared again toward the end of this? I'm talking, of course, about. In the 9.30 slot, Scrubs. Yeah, I mean, Scrubs moved around, though. It was an 8.30 show, too, and then a 9.30 yeah. show. It never really, like, I feel like Scrubs is more beloved in hindsight. Yeah. And, like, it never, it was a cult show for most of its run, which is not great. Mm-hmm. You don't want your show to be a cult show while it's still on the air. It did have a year where it was top 20. Just yeah, I guess it that's was top 50, but it was like the first year it was top 20 and then top 50. I think it got the bump from friends. Well, know? I'll point Anything out to you it? what you point out to me on this show a lot. Yes. Which is it's not a most popular. It's best. It's it's not. It's not. I like the show. I think it's quirky fun. I understand what people like so much about it. I'm not as like bananas a fan of it, which doesn't. Yeah. I mean, that's not saying anything bad about it at all. It's extremely charming. It has our friend Kate McCucci on it. Yeah. 
dude, the cast is a, again, like great John C. McGinley. Like, it's just sure. a, a fantastic group of actors together doing crazy, really fun stuff. Does it have a chance of winning this? There's no, no way it does. It didn't really occupy the 930 space for that long. The only show that was consistently a 930 show was Veronica's Closet. Yeah. Everything else moved around. Like, Which is also not going to win. Frasier was a 930 show that then got moved. That's true. It went to Tuesdays, didn't it? Went to didn't Tuesdays and then it went back to, uh, went back to Thursdays in, uh, 1998. Yes. Do we want to talk about the hour long show? The only time that there was an hour long show in the nine o'clock block, which let, went from, uh, 2004 through 2005. You want to talk about The Apprentice? Nope. What do you want to talk about? Go ahead. <laughs> nope. That I was asking if you wanted to talk oh, about no. it. Oh, no. No, no. I, I in particular don't. No, no, okay. no. There's no way it's the best show. It was great. It was what it was when it aired. Yep. And that's the best you could say about it. There are competition reality shows that are a million times better. In fact, we talked about competition reality shows with our friend Griffin McElroy. People can go back and listen to that if they want to. But yeah, it's not worth it's not worth the discussion. No. I think we only have four finalists. I think it's time to talk about the big guns right now. Okay. I think we we didn't give short shrift to any of our 930 and 830 shows. Mm-hmm. We didn't pull anything out that is going to beat the big guns, Friends, Seinfeld, Frasier, Will and Grace, and ER. Mm-hmm. Three of those shows were the number one show while they were on at various times. They sort of took turns being the number one show, and that is Seinfeld, ER, and Friends. Isn't it amazing that Friends was only the number one show once? It does surprise me. Yeah. But consistently top 10. It was top 10. It never fell out of the top 10. Yeah. And that is impressive. And it's really, you know, when the pandemic started, Jennifer and I decided to rewatch Friends because Mm -hmm. it's just something you do every once in a while. And it... You can see how good it is and how good it becomes and where it kind of flags. But ultimately, by the time it gets to that point, you're so invested in the show that you see it through. I think Will and Grace is a groundbreaking show, obviously. I was a huge Will and Grace fan. Yeah. That was one that I watched in college. Yeah, I was in college at the time, and we all just got obsessed with it and would all get together and watch it. And just Jack. I mean, that's the, the show that introduced me. Talk about theatrical performances. Sean Hayes and Megan Mullally on that show as the bizarro Fred and Ethel is one of the greatest comedy pairings on TV, I think. Yeah. And it's amazing that the show has aged and become more relevant to the point that they brought it back. You know, it had its eight year run initially and then it came back in 2017 for three years when it was like, oh, this is needed again. This cultural discussion Mm -hmm. needs to happen again. So it's impressive. I don't think it's the best must-see TV show. No, I think it is on the five-headed Mount Rushmore yeah. of best must-see TV show. But I just wanted to make sure that we at least talked about it a little bit because I did love that show. And I think that, and I, I again, Sean Hayes on that show and Megan Milan. Not that I didn't love Eric McCormick and Deborah Messing. They're brilliant. They're really funny. Their relationship, their chemistry to one another was unique in television at the time, was groundbreaking at the time, and was just Mm -hmm. funny at the time. Yeah. And even now. But those two over the top sidekicks, it's the, I think it's the best sidekicks of any show, of any sitcom I've ever seen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're great. Oh my God. Let's talk about another one. Cause I think there, I think you mentioned there are four finalists. I think there are three finalists. I think the fourth one, I think the fourth place on this goes to Frasier. 
Why do you say that? Because it was Tuesday for so long? It, it originally, it yeah. TV show? I don't think of it as must-see TV. Mm-hmm. I think of it as, yeah, I think of it as a Tuesday show or as a not Thursday show. It spent four years not in the lineup and was brought in for a couple of seasons after Seinfeld was gone while they were waiting for Will and Grace to happen. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it had an 11-year run and only three of those years yeah. were on Thursday nights. I'm not saying it's not a absolute, I mean, as far as awards go, that might be the winner out of all of these. Of Didn't course. it win the Emmy every single time? It's the best written show. It was great because it assumed the best in all of its audience. It assumed you were smart. It assumed you were kind. It assumed you were funny. And it didn't ever talk down to its audience. Yes. And it gave you realistic and beautiful performances from that entire cast. I, I had giant crushes on both of the female leads Roz on that and Daphne. show. Roz and Daphne. Sure. Yeah. It also like took the restoration farce and turned it into a modern day sitcom. Mm-hmm. And some of those, when they would do some just insane farce episodes. Yeah. Like Frazier's going to direct a radio drama and it just becomes noises off by the end of the episode. Do you remember that one? Mm-hmm. Oh, one of my all time <laughs> favorites. Yeah. It's so, so smart. It's smart without talking down to you. Yeah. And Very again, impressive. all theater people. I love yes. it. I love it when they put it, when they fill a cast with theater people. Yeah. But it's not must see TV. So it it's not. Yeah. It's uh, it's not a must see TV show. Now, so we have friends Seinfeld and ER. Now Seinfeld first moved to Thursday nights. They were in the 9:30 slot 1992-93. That was their third season on the air and then for the rest of their run they were 9 o'clock. So they were the anchor of that original yeah. CTV line. They, they must were the 9 o'clock anchor mm-hmm. and that was where they stayed until they went off the air in 98. And their run was, I mean, it's Seinfeld. And that's what's weird right now is I feel like with Friends and Seinfeld and ER, we really are comparing apples and oranges because you even mentioned it before. Seinfeld and Friends are such different shows. Yes. You know? I mean, Seinfeld's another show with no redeeming characters. It's a show about nothing with a bunch of characters who are funny and everybody identifies with someone, but it's like, yeah. you don't. <laughs> I mean, the show ends with them all in jail. Yeah. They violated a good Samaritan law, which, while it's not a great, finale by any stretch of the imagination that the final shot is dollying away from them in a, in a jail cell together. i loved it i loved that but aspect of the finale i loved the the rotating curtain call of a finale that it was yeah but you they they are litigating the fact that these characters made the wrong moral choice in almost yeah. every situation that was handed to them they yeah. almost always did the selfish self-serving or insensitive thing and it made for great comedy, but also when you look at it, like, oh, these are, of course, these people wouldn't do anything. Yeah. When somebody had their purse edge, they would just watch it happen and then get in trouble for it. <laughs> but that said, it's, it's really funny. I feel like I never became a Seinfeld fanatic as much as every other person on the planet that I know. Yeah. Well, you know, a, a bunch of comedians. I do. And I, you know, I, there, are, I could name a bunch of episodes of the show that I really, really enjoyed too. Yeah. And I can sit and watch it. I just never, I don't know. I was just never the hugest Seinfeld fan for whatever reason, never connected with it. Here's what it is for me. And I'll, I'll tell me if you think that this is, if you would agree with this in any way. Mm. In my opinion, I think that Seinfeld is a craftier and a funnier show. Okay. Than Friends. Because Friends is 
setup punchline, setup punchline. Seinfeld is insane situation, setup punchline. But because of what you just said about the characters in Seinfeld, I do think it's a funnier show, but I think Friends is a better sitcom because what I want out of a sitcom is I want to fall in love with the characters. I want to care every week. I want Ross and Rachel to get together. I want, you know what I mean? Like, I want to love the characters. And I think that nothing ever came out of anyone's mouth on friends that was untruthful. I would, when I say it's set up punchline, set up punchline, it was set up punchline, but no one could have said those lines except the characters that said them. It was perfectly written, beautifully directed. You cared about the characters. And I think that's why it lasted longer than Seinfeld. Well, that and because Jerry Seinfeld um, decided he didn't want to do the show anymore and go out on top. It maybe have could have gone on for another 10 years, but I liked that Friends had a long run where you met the characters, loved the characters, met new characters, loved them, hated some of them. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I, I don't know that I agree with you about where the comedy comes from from both shows. Mm-hmm. Where I agree with you is what the difference in Friends is the attachment to the characters and how much yeah. of I mean, in both of them, the character drives the comedy of it, right? Yeah. Like the, all these four characters that have decided that they can each hold out from masturbating longer than the other because they read it in an article leads to one of the greatest sitcom episodes of all time. Sure. But so I think does, that that's, I, that's what I meant before when I said it was the situations themselves and the, the setups and the crazy is part yes. of what makes Seinfeld so funny. However, mm-hmm. you also have in friends episodes like, uh, Ross deciding he's going to try leather pants. And then going right. on a date and not be like going to the bathroom because they're so hot, taking them down and not being able to pull them back up. So who does he call but the dumbest of his friends who instructs him to use baby powder and lotion and make a pair of Pates pants? Like it's <laughs> they, they were able to weave together how these characters like leaned on each other, maybe even when they shouldn't. Yeah. And there, there was plenty of great situational comedy even from the moments that should have been dramatic which you didn't get from seinfeld so you have you have ross and rachel break up then they all go to the beach house and then you find out that they still have feelings for one another ross breaks up with his girlfriend who rachel is tricked into shaving her head again Mm -hmm. and rachel writes this long letter and says if you want to be with me again i really need you to read this first and the letter's so long that he falls asleep reading it and when she says does it and he realizes he has no idea, but he says, he says it does. And they get back together and the whole audience applauds. And then, then you go back and see him actually read it. And he goes, Oh, it so does not. Like it's such a great, they, they play with actual human situations yeah. of what our relationships like where, where Seinfeld plays with, aren't you annoyed when you go to a parking garage and you can't find your car? And they turn that into a whole episode and it is great. They milk it for everything or the episode where they go to the Chinese restaurant and they're waiting forever for. That's the one that put them on the map, right? That was the. the yeah. And, the, and George keeps singing master of the house because he's just seen Les Mis. He's going, master of the house. <laughs> Which is, there's so many, you identify with different things in each and that's what makes them both so, so good. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> we're arguing. Whether Friends is the better must-see TV show or Seinfeld is the better must-see TV show. Mm-hmm. And I kind of think it doesn't matter because Do you think it's of them are the best wow. must-see TV show. There is only one TV show that anchored this 
from 1994 all the way to 2006 in the 10 o'clock spot. The show that gave the world George Clooney, mm-hmm. created by the man who wrote Jurassic Park and gave mm-hmm. that universe to the world. You've got Anthony Edwards, Eric LaSalle, Noah Wiley, Juliana Margulies. Yep. All of these incredible careers began on this show. Maybe not even began, but continued yeah. or they, they lent their work to this show. I wouldn't, I guess not continued, blossomed and blew up on this show. I would say it fundamentally changed Anthony Edwards career. Yeah. And took him in a, in a different direction. It made George Clooney's career. It made Julianne Margulies' career. Yeah. It made Noah Wiley's career. It helped turn Eric LaSalle from a character actor who I knew best from coming to America <laughs> into a star. It turned people yeah. into star. And Laura Ennis was also brilliant. Like it's just a brilliant group of people. It won a ton of Emmys and managed to continually turn over its cast while still maintaining its level of quality. Yeah. And I think that's what makes, you know, you forget when you think of must see TV, you think about the eight o'clock, eight thirty, nine o'clock, nine thirty. You think about the sitcoms. Yeah. But the truth is that the real anchor of that night was ER was an hour long drama and it outperformed the shows that came before it, which was Hill Street Blues was in that slot from 1981 to 1986, 87. And then LA Law comes in and holds that spot even yeah. through the first year of must see TV it was like LA Law, a little bit of homicide life on the street and then LA Law again. Then you have ER, which comes in immediate top 10. Then number one, number one, top 10, number one, top 10 for the rest of its run outside of two years where it was in the top 20 and the top 30. And that was just a a couple of years like that was late in the run that at its heart, it was right there at the top. It was the number one show on television for three years. And it was damn close the years that it wasn't. So I think for that reason, it has to be the answer. Can I throw out another reason as well? Yes, go ahead. There is one other thing that I want to talk about with ER, and that is the major cinematic element that it added to television, specifically with the steady cam work that happened on that show. And I want to give a shout out to Guy Norman B, who was a steady cam operator starting in 1994 on ER and was one of the pioneers in that style. I think that style of camera work changed television. And I think that's yet another reason on top of the ones we've already mentioned why, yeah, it doesn't matter as much if Friends or Seinfeld is better because the anchor of that night is the greatest, maybe the greatest doctor show of all time. There you have it, folks. People of the world. You were expecting a sitcom, maybe, but you got a drama, one of the greatest TV dramas of all time, ruled the roost and was the not even the silent was the anchor for must see TV. It got people watching from 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock. It's people were staying up to watch ER. It was appointment television at an hour that is not always convenient for appointment television to exist. And that among many other reasons is why ER is the best must see TV show asked and answered. Yeah, we did it. Hal, that was a tough one. Wouldn't it have been great if it was the other George Clooney ER? (laughs) The syndicated one with Elliot Gould and Mary McDonald. I love that show. You know what would have made that show even better? What? Jonathan Silverman. Oh, buddy. I know you love Jonathan Silverman. You know what I think would have made it even better? What? Ernest Borgnine. There's no arguing that. Marty! 
This topic is closed, but there are many more topics to discuss. So please reach out to us on Twitter at We Got This Tweets or email us at We Got This Podcast at gmail.com or go to our Facebook group to talk about your favorite must see TV shows and moments. Facebook.com slash group slash We Got This Podcast. Thank you to producer Ken Plume, who hosts his own wonderful podcast called A Bit of a Chat with Ken Plume. That is well worth your time to listen to. Thank you to researcher Kate McManus, graphic designer Uri Kelman, and QA engineer Jen Alba. And thanks, of course, to our musicians, Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman, for our score and theme song, respectively. And thanks to you, the people of the world. There is no one that we would rather sit in Central Perk sipping coffee or hanging out with Ernest Borgnine, the doorman, or sitting in a diner and complaining about the minutia of the world or running through an ER with than you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Gagliardi. For Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Lublin, and don't worry, everybody. We got this. We got this. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.